Hey everyone, welcome to Season 3, Episode 8 of Musicians for Mental Health. On this podcast, we talk with musicians openly and honestly about mental health. We are not licensed professionals, we are not therapists or counselors, we're just people that have had our own struggles and journeys within mental health and want to tell our stories. On this episode, I speak with Nathaniel Smith of the band Loon. Um, had a great time talking to him. Huge shout out to him for having this conversation, for being vulnerable, for being honest and open and telling these stories, um, and for creating the art that he's creating, because a lot of these themes are reflected in that music as well. Um, and it's it's just really great to see um someone that is passionate about what they do and sharing their journey and the healing process uh not only through our conversation but through the music as well so um we talked about a lot of stuff we talked about um kind of the journey into music the impact that Parkway Drive had on the Australian music scene, but per- perhaps more importantly, on Loon, um, recurring nightmares, PTSD, um, writing a song about a suicide attempt, cutting people out of your life if it's justified, whether they're family or not, and just so much more. And it was just this really great conversation and um just i'm so glad that that nathan took the time to share these stories with us so let's just dive into this this is a a great episode and i don't want to wait any longer so here's my conversation with nathaniel smith of the band loon uh so to kick things off i do start with the same boring ass question every time yeah. Simple introduction, man. Who are you? And just a little background on yourself and the band. Yeah. Okay. So I'm Nathaniel. I sing in Loon. Um, we've been a band since 2018. Well, not well, we launched the band in 2019, but we've been a band since 2018, just behind the scenes, putting everything together. Um, yeah, for me personally, like the music side of things, it, it just I think for us, you know we came out of kind of the ashes of my brother and David's old band. They were both in a band called I Valiance. Um, and that band uh, had a bit of a cult following in Australia and around America, but um, I think they wanted something more. And um, so now Loon exists. And I feel like a lot of the crux of the band is that we, we feel like we can't stop. It's uh, because you feel like we're going nuts if we if we don't, you know, like if, if we, you know, play a tour or whatever and then we come home uh, after about, you know, you know, a week, we're just like, oh, we, need, we need to get back to it. This just doesn't feel right to us. Right. Um, so, yeah, in that side of things, it we just had to keep going. We're sort of constantly pushing each other to to keep going. For me, like, uh, like musically, it's like a big outlet for me. Like I just kind of spill my guts on songs and it's, it's definitely a really cathartic experience for me. Um, and it's kind of the only place that I get to, I guess, be that extroverted. Otherwise I'm a relatively quiet person. So for me, this is, 
uh, yeah, it's like a really big thing for me and it's a really positive outlet for me and I really, really love it. And so we're just keen to keep pushing <laughs> the yeah. whole drive behind the band is we just don't want to stop. We just want to keep pushing and pushing and growing um, and write the best music possible that we love to. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I love that, you know, that you've become aware that this is kind of that safe space for you to be extroverted because that's honestly kind of how the podcasting thing is for me. Normally, like, I wouldn't say I'm like super, super introverted, but I'm sure probably like you, like I have a social battery usually and it mm. wears down pretty quick in just normal everyday interactions. But doing the podcast, I feel like, you know, I can truly be myself and and really, you know, express um, the musical views and all of that much better and mm. not have to worry as much about, you know, what other people fucking think or whatever. Uh, but uh, with your journey into music and, you know, having your brother as a, uh, a bandmate and things like that, what was it like kind of growing up and uh, seeing all of this, you know, and deciding that music is is the direction that you want to go because you know here in america uh i don't know if if australia is quite the same but in america musicians are still looked at as like a that's not a real job you can't go do that was that oh, a similar thing for you or how oh, that totally out? and even more so like in australia like people don't give a fuck about the arts at all like it's uh, you know, they're always like, it's a hobby. They see it as a hobby. And um, it's it's interesting, like the double standard of it, because people want music and they see it as a commodity and they love it and they expect new music to come out or whatever, but um, they don't want to support it at all. So, they, you know, they'll, they'll use music for literally everything, but won't support it at all. And for us, that was particularly wreck like you know shown during covid with the the real lack of support for music venues and for musicians during that time and yeah it's so for us like you know you, i feel like especially in australia to really get seen uh you have to work like twice as hard as the rest of the world in a lot of places our scene is like while there's a lot of fans it's it's a much smaller and tightly knit scene so to get seen, to get recognized and have punters or, you know, punters, we call people who just come to shows, people right. that come through, people that come through the door. Uh, it takes a lot more work and a lot more effort to get those people to turn up for you. Um, and, you know, I, we always hear from like Americans or Europeans, uh, you know, like there's something in the water in Australia, like all the biggest bands, but we find it interesting. Like it's the, I think the bands that a lot of people get to see that are kind of finally rising up from the surface uh bands that have been grinding it out for like 10 years mm -hmm. like you've been i think most of the bands that are now doing really well you know void of vision alf wolf all those bands have been around for 10 years already yeah. um polaris have been around for 10 years um where we see the trajectory of bands from america i feel like that trajectory off more often than not happens a lot faster for them because the the physical mass of fans um overseas you know there's 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 more people who are interested and more people who are listening to that music but uh, like either way it, it doesn't really matter to us because we always want to sort of push and keep going um so for us like it, it's just the key has always been working really 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 hard and persistence so you no know, regardless irregardless of the support from 
or, or how people view us as people for, you know, kind of, you know, like I have to bail on my job for a month at a time or whatever, or right. to go and go do a tour that might be good. It might not be good, but um, to just continue growing the band is it's like a weird thing. And, and sometimes it feels like a thankless job, but it, I, I kind of wouldn't have it any other way. It, it's the only thing that makes sense to me. Like I'm not in this because I just want to be, get big or whatever. Like that's not what it is for me. It's for me, it's a really important outlet for me. And um, the energy you get at live shows and uh, having an opportunity and also lucky enough to have band members that are gracious enough to let me talk about the things that I talk about in our music is, is something I don't take for granted. And yeah. Um, so it 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 doesn't matter to me like whether how people think about me and how I'm perceived because I want to be a musician. Like if they want to think like I'm a loser for 10 years and then they finally turn up when my band starts doing well, like it doesn't matter to me. Like it's, you know, the people that show up are the people that show up and you can't look at it in a negative way. You've just got to stay in your own lane and put your head down and do the work. <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. And it's yeah. funny you you make that comment because I literally just got off a, a conversation with uh, Mac from the band Everline down there. Yeah. And uh, she was just saying basically the same thing. Like we were talking about, you know, for her and her mental health journey and whatnot, like high school bullying and things like that. And it's like, it's so ironic to me that the the musicians and theater kids and stuff like that are the ones that are like, picked on the most in school right but then every fucking person in the world loves movies and music so like you're picking on the people that are giving you the thing that you enjoy consuming so like how does that make any sort of fucking sense yeah <laughs> it doesn't at all no I think, it, it, it's crazy yeah i think people always want to have some sort of feeling of like they're above somebody else and mm -hmm. Yeah, I just I don't even try to like make sense of it or understand it because you just I don't think there really is understanding it. You've just got to um, stick to your guns and do your own thing as much as possible and try and put your blinders up, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think it's I had made the comment to her like it. it's funny because if the roles were reversed, like think about the the just insanity of it. Right. Like if theater kids bullied sports kids yeah you know what i mean like totally oh, you'll never be yeah, a football yeah, yeah. star like whatever and it's like okay but yeah. they make millions of dollars and they exist so yeah, exactly. i'm gonna go for it you know and music maybe i don't make millions of dollars but to your point it's where i feel the most alive it's you know it's the thing that fuels me so why would i not go for it yeah exactly like for me it, it doesn't it's never mattered it's never been about the money like it's never like none of that it's never been about the money for me um oh my god i couldn't care less about the money like i funnel like so much money into band like there's been the, like the jokes all the time from musicians are like it's the band is like a black hole where you like throw tens of thousands of dollars but it's like for me like it doesn't matter because like you have an idea in your head you create something together and you want to present it in the best way possible that best represents that work and both excites you personally as a creative and excites other people um it like none of that matters like like for like to be honest like down here we're like in in like the grips of a recession and like mm -hmm. it, and i think you know the rest of the world the cost of living crisis is a lot happening but for me like you know i've eaten like really basic foods like like egg and rice and all sorts of stuff like that because 
I, I want to put it all into the band. I don't care about that. Like I still look after myself and do all the right things, but I, for me, like, it doesn't matter. Like it, I don't even think about it as like a negative thing. It's just cause I'm like, no, nah, we're going to do this because then I can do this with my band and it's going to be really cool. So for me, like the excitement of that is more important than like a whole bunch of nice things. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, no, it, it's, it's one of those things, you know, whether people want to admit it or not, it it's prioritizing the things that matter to you, right? Like, mm. sure, I could have a bunch of materialistic things and other people may view me as more successful because of it or whatever. Mm. But if they're if they're not fueling, you know, my soul, why would I spend that money? Why would I not, you know, to your point, put it in the band that is fueling my soul and I can go out and play a show to you know 200 kids that absolutely love what we're doing yeah exactly if i can give my my band the resources to achieve what we want to achieve in the best way possible or if i have an idea or someone has an idea and you know they want to do it and we go well do we have the money for this and they go yeah i've actually been saving for this and you know i i have i have enough resources for us and uh, like a proof of concept enough for us to execute it and then it's up to us to decide whether we want to do that to not as a union an unanimous decision but uh yeah it's being able to like feel that is more important to me than like temporary things yeah yeah, yeah. totally agree um so for you you know kind of walk me through the the journey that brings you into music right like obviously as a kid you you listen to music and stuff but when was kind of that moment for you that you were like i think this is the the way that I want to pursue life. Okay. So I grew up around musicians like my whole life. And so I think I picked up my first instrument when I was like six. Um, I like played guitar and I played bass and I played in stage band and all that sort of stuff. But even still, I was kind of just like doing it for fun. Like I, I kind of always wanted to do something. I kind of knew like it. I remember picking up like an, a nylon acoustic guitar and, and playing it and being like, I don't know. Just, I, I can just see it, you know. I can see myself okay. uh, doing something. But I, I didn't really understand it yet. And I think, you know, as time went on, you, you in your formative years, you see a lot of things. Like I think when I was really, really little, I remember like seeing like a Chili Peppers DVD of like Live at Slane Castle and just thinking that was like the biggest thing ever and being like, whoa, okay. And I remember like sitting with my brother and, and like Tyler, who was a bass player in a band at the time, that he's like a childhood friend of the band and childhood mm -hmm. friend of my brother. Um, and like learning like the entirety of like the Chili Peppers discography and like all of Red Against the Machine's discography and all just like playing it together, um, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, and it was more my brother and Tyler playing it, but, you know, I, every opportunity I had to, to, you know, pick up an instrument and play with them as well, I would. Um, and then later on i think for a lot of australians musicians that'll ring true and i probably you've probably heard it a lot of times we in you know in about 2007 we all watched a dvd put out by parkway drive um their first like documentary their first movie yeah. and everyone saw that and went everyone from my generation went and, and and beyond like like oh my god like this is what i want to do um, and it really, it really kind of like put a fire under everyone's asses and that, you know, like despite like how hard it is to kind of grow in Australia and, and get overseas, 
um, you know, like you, there is a way to just kind of like go around it. Like Parkway, we're like, well, fuck, no one's booking us over. We've like toured Australia to death. We're doing really well over here now. We're finally like doing well over here, but let, let's just go to Europe. Let's just do it. You know what I mean? and take the plunge and it it is like a massive outlet like it's like hey to get to europe as a bare minimum it's like do you want to pay 20 grand right now to get over (laughs) and and then also then all the other expenses which come with it you know it's it's a massive layout but it's just one of those things where you you watch a band you know that kind of became like the home heroes just do it and push and do it and now look at them you know they're the biggest metalcore band in the world um you know and they, they play like arena music now and, and you know the headlining walk-in festival and all sorts of stuff it's yeah. just yeah for us like the, a lot of australian musicians in the heavy realm that was the, really the thing that pushed a lot of us to to do what we do um and yeah i i gotta say like for me like in terms of heavy music it was parkway straight up yeah for sure. And I, I think, you know, just thinking, thinking back and imagining all the, you know, the old bands or remembering all the old bands, if you will, like not knocking anybody that's come from Australia, but like yeah. there hasn't been until Parkway to your point, like the ACDC, the Bee Gees, you know what I mean? Like we're talking yeah. back in the seventies, the eighties is when like the peak of Australian music kind of felt like it was able to get out of of the country right and then it kind of stagnated a little bit not that not that there weren't great australian bands just nobody Mm. making that international noise really and then parkway gets out and it's like it it almost like like you said kind of relights that fire of people going it is fucking possible we can do this oh absolutely yeah um, especially for heavy music. So I don't think before that it had really happened in a big way for Australians. Um, you know, we've got bands like death metal bands over here, like Psychroptic and stuff mm-hmm. um, that have a long career. But when you think about longevity and also size of a band and constant growth, um, yeah, um, Parkway, like are that band, you know, you, you think about a career that's expanded and they're being consistently successful and consistently grown. And now they're like, the fill arenas it's yeah. nuts it's absolutely yeah, it's it's nuts to me but now we've got the next generation coming through now as well you know like but that we're call, calling the next generation but like they've been around for 10 years we've got bands like alpha we've got bands like polaris we've got bands like void of vision void of vision we're going to grow heaps more in the next five years mm-hmm. polaris are like the biggest band in australia right now in terms of heavy music they just filled arenas you know for their album tour um and alpha for playing arenas with motionless and white right now like or if it's not arenas they're playing at palladiums and stuff with motionless and white it's bonkers. yeah yeah, yeah. i just saw just saw alpha wolf um i don't know like a month and a half ago with motionless yeah. and mm. just one of the from top to bottom it's one of the sickest shows out there right now anyway but mm it was interesting. So I live in Indy. Well, I live North of Indianapolis, Indiana, but the show was in Indianapolis and it was so like cool to see, like you could recognize looking out across the crowd, the people that hadn't heard alpha wolf before. And like the, the moment clicking in their head that, 
oh, this this is real. Like we need to to see what this is about. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's it's so weird. Like I remember almost ten years ago now. Like I was on Alpha Force first tour, taking photos for him, which is how I met a lot of musicians. Um, and then eventually kind of made my way into the heavy scene. It was like I was taking photos for a lot of people on mm-hmm. tour and stuff, or just at shows. And like I remember, like at the time, like uh, like half of Alpha Force still lived in Tasmania, and which is like a little island down the bottom of Australia, which is part mm-hmm. of Australia. Um, and everyone like hated them. And they like, but they like leaned into the bit and they had this thing was like Tasmania's most hated or whatever. Um, and they had like bandanas on them. They had this like symbol. It was like Tasmania's most hated and the whole thing. But, you know, it took, it just, for me, like what always rings true with bands that are successful is they're constantly growing. And then it's just like this vehement persistence like just a refusal to let go. And I think a, a real shame with a lot of Australian bands is they fall into this hole of them getting stuck and instead of pushing through and seeing it through and giving it time, they like they let go and they give up. Yeah. It can be really hard. Like it, it's sometimes like there's bands that can do all the right things, all the hard work, put in just as much work as a lot of other bands and then just like not do it um and it's it's a shame but it's the reality of it and for me now the thing i'm learning is that it's just turning up for your band consistently and trying to push and grow and find other avenues of putting yourself in front of different audiences and not playing in front of the same audiences and just keeping on and being persistent and not letting go and not giving up because uh you know there's a lot of bands that you know that are now the biggest they've ever been and the best they've ever been in their careers. And it's awesome. Like, you know, like another example of that is like the Adas Meta. Like we just were on tour with them for like a month. Mm-hmm. And that, um, yeah, like I remember seeing them when I was like 16. Like they've been around for such a long time. Um, right. And they just, they've just kept growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. And I was talking to Marshy when we were on that tour and he was like, yeah, we're booked into like 2025. Just... It's insane, right? (laughs) Constantly pushing. And every second that dude wasn't on stage, like playing guitar, he was in the green room on a laptop, like booking or doing something. Right. It's just, yeah, constant, constant go. Um, And that that sort of work ethic is like, obviously not everyone can can work at that sort of level. But um, yeah, like the constant work ethic, once again, like showing up for your band consistently or showing up for your job and, and finding other avenues to grow your band is super important. Yeah, and for sure. Yeah, it's been, it was a really good learning experience watching that and being like, oh my God, that's like a lot of work. But if this is what needs to be done, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I think, you know, that's where the digital age kind of spoiled a lot of people, mm. um, a lot of artists uh, as well. Like, uh, it sucks to think about your band as a business in that sense, right? Like that this is my job, but you have to exactly because like, just because you can put something on YouTube or Spotify or whatever, as easily as you can, doesn't mean that somebody's going to come knocking on your door with a fucking checkbook. Yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, you know, like if you think about it, like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, like bands that had music videos that were on the internet, you know, it was, it cost a lot more to do that. Or bands like weren't all necessarily doing that, you know, they were just like putting mm-hmm. out CDs and putting out records, but they didn't have the money to do a music video or anything. Right. But 
Um, so like anyone that was like making a music video and doing that, it was like the biggest thing ever. You know what I mean? Or yeah. but like uh like, like a proper production music video. But then now, like, you know, obviously there's things that are a lot more accessible, like there's filmmakers gear and 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 lighting and and photo video lighting that's like super accessible. There's a lot more people out there. Um, like and and the but that's like rings true to the work ethic of like a lot of people and um which is something I do really love about music now is people's ability to like DIY it or, um, you know, build a team around them with mm-hmm. people that they, they grow with, um, which is really cool. But the, I guess the problem with it is as well as with the digital age is people just like flick past it. Like you can put like, like years of work into something and people will just swipe past it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the attention is not there. You really have to grab them in the first like three seconds or you're doomed. Yeah, <laughs> I, I want to say the three second thing is I think I'm trying to remember the article that I saw. They were talking about like Instagram reels and TikTok specifically, but it really was like three to seven seconds is all the attention span. Like if you don't hook them in that first three to seven seconds, they're not yeah. watching your video. They're just moving on. And it's, it's insane to think about that. Like, how because you know i'm 38 i remember and i still do it sometimes sitting in front of youtube and just letting it fucking run for hours upon hours and just skipping through different songs to find you know oh i love this record label and you would just watch that whole playlist Mm. nobody does that shit anymore Mm. yeah it doesn't happen yeah like i remember like you get out the CDs and stuff and like you see the record label and you look through and you see the other bands that are on the label and you want to check out like who's a similar vibe or who's cool. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like I was talking to my friend Nick Simonson about this, who I used to do like a lot of interviews with. And we did this interview with Lada Spirit where they were talking about like how you would like pick up a like a vinyl or a record and then you would look at the back and you'd see the the record label and you would go and check out the other bands and they had the little ad slip in the back of the thing of like the other bands on the label and that's how you found music yeah is and now it's like tiktok reels like you know stuff like that that's like really really heavy stuff that's like shock value but you've got to like edit it in a certain way and it has to be within 60 seconds but most of the time you want it to be like 15 right yeah. It's so different. But um, that's that's something I run into even with the you know this podcast and and the other is like I would like to start doing some TikTok or Instagram reels but I'm like how do I take a minute from this interview? Mm. And even then like to your point realistically how do I break this down to 30 seconds of this interview that's going to get people to go watch? It's nearly impossible. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's it and then, you know I'm trying to figure that out myself as well. Like I've been doing the, like the TikTok and the reels thing at the minute. Like I'm trying to start doing vocal covers and I'm doing singing bits from the songs, like se- segments from the songs, and I'm just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it's like I'm I'm kind of finding a groove, and I think you know like once you start doing the same thing, you'll you'll like fight, start finding a groove as well. And like you know it's it's clear that you've already like grown an audience and you're doing well. So I don't know, like it. Like, I don't doubt that you could absolutely find something that would make it work with clips. Like I've seen, I don't know, like there's like podcasts that like have funny bits from their clips or whatever. And they, right. you know, 
to have images or it's animated or whatever. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's yeah. so hard to figure out like what's going to be the right thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, I mean, obviously it all depends on the conversation that you have and mm-hmm. stuff like that too. But um, yeah, I think, I think the thing is the digital age, the point that I think both of us are trying to make is the digital age is great because there's so much out there, but it doesn't mean that you don't have to put in the work. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. And I think any band that's going to do like, well, now they're going to be people that are just like constantly pushing, constantly working. Um, So I'm trying to like take that on, but also not overwhelm myself. Cause like the other thing that comes with that is like burnout, like, right <laughs> yeah exactly and like I, I burnt myself out really bad a couple of months ago and i had to just like put everything down for a couple of weeks and stop um yeah. and like really recoup and just do me for a second and it felt terrible i felt like you I almost felt, feel guilty about it right oh i constantly i feel i've just come to accept that i am a workaholic like i can't stop like it doesn't matter if i sit down like i'm i'm still gonna be like you could be doing this thing but it's just finding ways to like dull that voice you know like so i like write little lists and like i try and break it down into like small manageable chunks so i can do a little bits per day because you know like everyone yeah. in my band works full-time um yeah. so we work full-time jobs and then like running a band like a business and trying to grow everything it's, it's like another full-time job you know like like doing anything like you're doing this podcast or doing any of it it's like an, it's a whole nother job and you're like picking up skills and things that you didn't think you'd you'd need to pick up, but you, you're now sitting there learning about Google AdWords and what's the right region. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's so, yeah. it's so crazy. Yeah, it really is, man. Because yeah, like, that's, yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, you're fine. I was going to say that that's exactly how it is with with this podcast. I mean, I've done music journalism and and concert photography for you know 19, 20 years now, and three years ago is when I started the other the main podcast. Mm. And, uh, it was, it was that thing where like COVID was, was hitting bands weren't getting out on the road as much, obviously, because they Mm. couldn't. And I'm like, well, shit, how do I interview bands? If I'm not going to see them at shows, like totally changing direction. I learned all my audio editing, you know, off of YouTube, all my video editing that way. Like, yeah, it's insane. The amount of skills that you pick up and as an artist, kind of the same thing. Like, if you would have told yourself even, you know, six months ago that you're going to know how to edit a TikTok video, you wouldn't have believed yourself. You know what I mean? Like, that's not oh, totally, yeah. what I want to do at all. Yeah, exactly. Oh, like, I remember for like a couple of years, I was like vehemently against filming in portrait mode because <laughs> I'm like a photographer and a videographer, like I work in the photographic industry. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, I don't want to do it. And every photographer I was talking to at the time was like, I don't want to do it. And we watched it grow more and more over the space of like 18 months. I mean, okay, fine, fine. And if we're going to do it, we're going to do it properly and we're going to do it our way, you know what I mean? And like make it look yeah. really good. So I'm, I'm trying to do that. But also like now learning like the the thing is, like especially with like TikTok, it's like you can put like so much time into a video to make it look so extra like it'll be the most high production thing ever or whatever like it's just crazy and like people won't watch it but if you do a thing on your phone and you film it like it's like one shot and you just like jump cut it like people it'll get like ten thousand views and you're like what 
yeah, it's it's absolutely insane. And I'm I'm with you on the whole, you know, filming in in portrait mode because I'm still fighting it myself. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm seeing more and more necessary uh, reasons to do it. But it's just like you said, as a photographer, that's not how photography is meant to fucking be. So no, yeah. I don't want to do it. Yeah, hot but, out. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned earlier, you know, that music and, and writing has kind of been this, this release and, and very cathartic thing for you. When did that really kind of start for you on realizing that I've got all these emotions, these thoughts, whatever, and it, I have to put them into, to words, not just sit with them and, and let them eat at me. Um, so I went through, my brother and I went through, like a really, really big event that was like extremely traumatic for the both of us. And I think we were, we kind of like separated for a bit, you know, we, my whole family kind of like fell apart basically. And Mm -hmm. so like we all for a couple of years just kind of stayed, did our own things and we're all away from one another, just trying to process it. And in that time, like, I remember like you know, a family member was on like a respirator in a hospital in, in like ICU. And I was just like sitting there with a notepad and just like writing down what I was seeing. And I just like kind of kept writing, you know, I just like had the notes app open. I was sitting there like really kind of just trying to like collect my thoughts and process things. And I just started writing it all down and putting it together. And I was listening to a lot of like quite emotive music at the time. Like I really like emo bands and like Midwest emo and screamo and, uh also like bands like touche more and la dispute and a lot of those bands and um i just i just realized like you know like heavy music is heavy but like you know you don't have to talk about heavy things like that are just like shock value or whatever like some people like to write stories you know what i mean like but Mm -hmm. for me i felt like i couldn't write about anything other than what was in my head and or like other experiences or people I'd listen to or people in my surroundings or what I see. So I realized like, I think I couldn't write about something that wasn't real. I had to write about something that meant something to me. Cause for me to like say with my whole chest or whatever, I, I had to, I had to mean it. Um, and so for me, it's like whenever I write something, it's always coming from the place of like, I have to mean it or like, this is how I felt at the time. Like there's a song on our new release. It's called letting go. And it's like it for me now, like it's not necessarily how I feel now, but for me, it's very point in time. Uh, Like it's about a friend that I had a falling out with that was kind of just turning into like, it was really going down like the incel route basically. Mm -hmm. And I, I tried to really pull them out of it and, and be like, this is not the way come on. Like, I like try and help them and they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear what they want to have to hear that just everyone else was the problem. And I was angry and I ended the friendship and um, like there was a, there's a lot more to it than that, but that's the, you know, the TLDR, the too long didn't read, but um, yeah, like I just let out all of my anger on a track. So, and like, I remember like I was so angry about it and now it's not, it doesn't really reflect how I feel about that person now or, but it's, it's representative of the time. Like, I feel like with music, sometimes you've got to be like, this is where I was at at this point in my life. This is what was going on. Um, 
so that that's kind of what that you know so that's kind of what music is to me it's about like about a point in time basically but yeah. we tried to I, I talked to the band about structuring the whole thing about like starting at one point in time in my life and then or like one point in time which is like I would say mostly negative and like trying to come to grips with a, a change or a, a big event that has happened. And then the other half is about kind of like learning how to accept that and not being like, if it's like a big change in your life, like, you know, your, your family falls apart and now you're in a broken home and like learning or like you've had a massive change in your life. Like you're in a long-term relationship and you know, it fell apart and now things feel so different. You're coming to grips with it. It's about ultimately accepting change and embracing it and, not being afraid of um, change and not sitting there now in the present, looking back and thinking about how good things used to be or whatever, or what could have been and feeling like it's, it's not like that now. And now I'm sad because things are different and things have changed, but, but just because things have changed and that they're different doesn't necessarily mean that things are bad. And it's about being happy and accepting what you have um, and being more present in right now. Cause you can't go back into the past. You can't, go back and relive that you lived it you've just got to be thankful and have some gratitude that you experienced it or big or if it was a negative experience be glad that you are where you are now and that you persisted through it and that you know a, a person's persistent is persistence and willingness to push through and survive something if it was a traumatic experience is the reason that you are where you are right now and take heart in that so for me it was a lot of that as well like um you know there's like a really confronting song on the next one that's called the memory replays and it's like about a reoccurring nightmare i had so i i, I suffered from like symptoms of ptsd like i post-traumatic stress mm -hmm. yeah um, because of a lot of these experiences and i like for a long time like i was like having nightmares like every single night and it was like a reoccurring nightmare and I like felt like I could never do it justice. And so it took me like three years to like put it together and write it. And then it still never felt right. But like that for me, like I'm coming back around to where, what we were talking about is it's for me, it's very, what I write about is very reflective of the time um, and trying to do justice to a feeling or like, or, or something that is really important to me. Like we wrote a song like a couple of years ago called Factory Fires Funeral Fire. And that's like just about a very polarizing problem in the world that means a lot to me. And um, like feeling like I didn't want to father children or, or have children because I couldn't promise them a future in a world where people don't care that, you know, everything's, everything's fucked, you know, that, that, that everyone's very complicit in that. And um yeah. It, so like those sorts of things, I just, ha I have to write about things that are important to me, basically. Like I have to mean it. Yeah. I have to, or like, it's just, it's how I, it's how I felt at the time and it's reflective of a time period. So it's, that's kind of the crux of a lot of, um, lyrically loons music. Cause I'm, I'm, you know, I have to, I'm a very emotional person. Right. <laughs> Yeah, which it which is totally fine, and I wish more people you know would accept that. Uh, it is getting better, obviously, but um, mm -hmm. no, I think I think that's really cool because you know I talk a lot about authenticity, and you know, to your point, writing about what what you've experienced or what you've seen and things like that because it's it's one of those things that you know, sure, if you really really fucking wanted to for some reason to just 
sit down and write a pop hit, you could probably fucking do it, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot less substance to that. I just have to make this catchy thing, like whatever. Um, not all pop songs, but the vast majority. But to be able to write about like, you know, this traumatic event that you've gone through or the repercussions of a decision, things like that, and take that, put it out in this fucked up world and say like, hey, this is a real thing. You know, this is something I've been through, whatever. And then for others to be able to see it and go, I'm not alone. Like I've been there is the most powerful. And if you, if you set out to just write that song, right. Like, and there was no authenticity to it. People are going to see through that shit. Like it's not going to connect. Exactly. It's, and for me, like authenticity is really important and it's important to me. Um, And like, I, I, I'm really thankful for like my band and especially my brother. Like there's definitely been moments where I've like given him a line and he's been like, is this like too much? Like this is nothing, <laughs> man. And I've been like, just trust me. Like, like I know like it's scary, but let's try it. Like if it's not right, we can, you know, we can listen back on fresh ears or whatever and be like, okay, maybe not, you know, but like, let's try it. Um, but like, there's this thing of like one, I had an opportunity to have an outlet for it, but then two, we play shows and people come up to you and they say, we wrote a song like Manipulator and people come up to you at the merch desk or wherever at the show or like after the show and they talk to you or we get messages and they say that that, that was something that like helped them through a hard time and they share their stories. And there's something crazy about music where people resonate with your music but then they also feel comfortable enough with you and have enough trust in you to to tell you and share their experiences with you so which is probably something that they held quite close to their chest which is it's not something i take for granted and i it's one it's made me feel not alone with my own stuff um but it's made me kind of feel like more human about it because i feel like there's a lot of things nowadays where people like experiencing emotions and extreme things is almost like this thing where it's like uncouth. It's like over the top, but I feel like having bad days, like having a meltdown about something or whatever, you know what I mean? Like it's part of being human. Everyone has bad days. Everybody cries. Everybody has meltdowns. Everyone like has a moment. You know what I mean? That you don't need to like dehumanize yourself or talk to yourself in a punitive way. Like you're a bad human or a bad adult. Cause you had a bad day and you're like frustrated and you're upset or you experienced something so bad that you couldn't reconcile with a friend, family partner, whatever. And you had to get away from it because like, yeah. I understand it. There's a lot of guilt that comes with getting away from something that hurt you because obviously they're going to make you feel bad about it. Cause they don't want you to leave. But, uh, it, it's really, really made me realize like the, like the importance of these kind of things and like even more than I did before because I listened to like an album like like Touche Amore with like songs like Rapture and Flowers and You mm-hmm. and like which is just about like, like stage four by Touche Amore. It's, it's just about like him going, coming to grips with his mother dying of cancer and like all the events around it and being like, whoa, like, and at the time, like I just lost my grandmother to like cancer and I was just like, 
it, it, it it's like this when you feel like someone you can connect to something or it kind of like does justice to a feeling or something you're experiencing it, it makes you feel more normal and more human for experiencing them and there's i feel like something's gotten lost along the way where people are experiencing bad things they've like people talk about this stuff all the time but they there's this whole thing of like oh yeah like we can talk about and we're having an open dialogue but like don't you know like have a have a moment in front of me you know what i mean right and it's like because it, like it seems so public and everyone's now so aware about how they're perceived and what people think but they're not but then they're taking on all of this stuff they're, they're put setting the standard and this judgment upon other people but then they don't want to put that same judgment on themselves and we need to be able to accept that people have bad days people lash out people because things happen and there is always something going on underneath the surface that is the reason behind that and um i think it's important to like let people have that moment and and meet the need that they have you know what i mean like yeah we you never know what's going on in someone's life and i think sitting and if someone trusts you enough to like you know come up to a show at you and, and share their experience with you the least i can do is sit and listen and 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 try and understand what they've just been through and and thank them for sharing and putting the trust in me for for just sharing that with me yeah um, you know, like we wrote a song like exit and like that song was like really fucked up for me like it's uh like i was scared about putting it out mm -hmm. i remember like getting the mix back from buster and like crying like listening to it and being like oh it's finally done but like it took it out of me because yeah. the song's literally about a suicide attempt like it's not a nice song and people yeah. talk about it and they're like thank you for sharing that. I'm like, I'm glad you, you were here to talk about it. And they're like, you know, for, to, um, just like have someone have an outlet like that and, and to let something out, it gives people an opportunity to talk about what's going on with them inside of them that they feel like they can't talk about. Cause I feel like no one will accept them or no one will understand them for, for letting it out and they feel like they'll be looked upon badly or like they're unreliable or that they're unpredictable because they can't, you know, some people like they can't help it you know people have mm -hmm. you know like disorders people have like bpd they have bipolar disorder people have clinical depression that like they that is a thing that they have to live with it's never really in the reality is with some of those things it's never fully going to go away you just find tools to deal with it better and yeah. you have to accept with that sort of thing like you know like i have a very chronic depression and like i have to find tools to deal with that you know some days like all this good all these good things can be happening but i just can't see them and yeah. you've got a and like having the toolkit or like sometimes it's just feeling heard is so important so when someone comes up to me at a show or something or messages us um uh and you know like especially talking about a song like exit like i don't take it for granted i just remember like getting this dm from someone and them talking about like basically saying like this was my reason to stay and i was like oh, far out yeah and yeah it was like really heavy oh we're like sitting at a cafe and i was just like my brother was like you better read this message and like respond to it and going like far out that's so like i i 
part of me was like so relieved that that person had like messaged us because that meant that they chose to stick around. Right. Yeah. And for no, me, and I like, think, go ahead. Yeah. For me, that's like such a crazy and powerful thing. And yeah. I think that's like, like for me, that's like, that's the reason I do it. For me, it's about like being genuine and connecting with people and giving something positive back to people that makes them feel like all the bad things in their life aren't so bad and they can have a moment where they they don't have to like sit with that on their own. Right. Yeah. No. And I, I think, you know, something I've said many times is almost exactly that obviously worded differently in the sense of like, it doesn't matter if it's the most introverted person in the, the planet or the most, you know, manly man, at the end of the day, we're all fucking human beings, right? Like we all yes. have something going on and whether the person wants to admit it or not, they just want to feel heard and seen and, and know that they're not alone. And I think it is really powerful, you know, for you, obviously not in like any sort of savior complex sort oh, of yeah. way, Fuck but no. like, no, I'm not, I'm no savior. I'm not <laughs> right. a perfect person. Like right. for me, but it's just affirming. It's like, right. I'm, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a perfect person and it's okay to not be perfect. No one is perfect. Yeah. And, and exactly that. And I think, you know, with, within that, you know, for someone to hear your, your music and your words and say, like, they made it through this so I can make it through the thing that I'm battling and I'm going to tell them about it. It's like, there's no. I mean, I haven't done a lot of drugs or anything, but there's no drug on the planet that can compare to that, you know? Yeah. It's just like, for me, it's just like a wild thing. Cause I suppose I just, I kind of didn't expect it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for, Cause for me, I'm just like, once again, it's just like, I'm just getting it out. It's just this cathartic thing for me. But then I think about artists that I really love and that I've, I've sort of connected with it's it's the same thing like i a good example of this is like uh garrett from silent planet um mm-hmm. like i remember when i was filming i was i used to film interviews from a magazine called mix out magazine with one of my best friends his name is nick simonson he and he interviewed all of them and one of the second or third jobs we did he i was like oh we're gonna go to this make them suffer show in like 2018 and this is in that time before Loon was a thing yet. And he was like, oh, yeah, this is Silent Planet. And I had a broken hand at the time because um, of, uh, yeah, some yeah some bad shit went down. And like, right. not great hand. choices in life. <laughs> no, yeah. Like, yeah, basically, like, yeah, it was, yeah, it was bad. It was just like a really bad time for me. And I'm, I'm glad I got out when I did basically like that um i don't like to talk about it too much now just because it's like it was a very awful awful time and all we were trying to do was look after somebody and they couldn't see think straight enough to like look after themselves and they're lashing out and unfortunately that resulted in family members getting injured which is bad um and i you know like yeah so like i and that's what i mean like when my family was like getting away but like so I was just like processing all of that basically. Um, and like being like, wow, 
Um, and then meeting Garrett for the first time. And Garrett was like on vocal rest. So he wasn't even talking, but like that dude like went straight up to me. was like, what happened to your hand? Like not talking, but like miming it basically. Right. And he like, then he like showed me a scar on his arm and he was like, I've got this. And you know what I mean? And I was like, how did that happen? And he was like, it was, he said he knocked on glass and it was, it was from glass. And I was like, far out. Okay. And then he, we did an interview with him and he talked and he just, he's such an articulate man and just like talking about what, what they talk about in the music and the subject matter and why they do it. And then I'd, I'd never heard a note of Silent Planet's music. And then we, we watched him play for the first time. And I just remember like being like, this guy's the real deal. And he's like, you hear a song like Panic Room. And before they play Panic Room, he's talking about how it's about his friend and who had like PTSD and like from war, like a real thing. Um, and being like, it made me feel weird because it was just like at the time, like I was dealing with like post-traumatic stress, I was having that reoccurring nightmares. And I was like, like, this isn't a real thing. This is the thing that happens to people at war. You know what I mean? And the more I like listened, the more I talked, the more I was like, okay, like this isn't just a thing that happens to people at war. Like you can have bad things happen. Like you can escape domestic abuse and have nightmares about it for a year. You know what I mean? Like, um, and have very real reminders of it, like a broken hand. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're like ways out and there's also like an outlet for it. But like for me, that was like a real eye opener because for a while I'd, I'd just been like filming stuff and I, and like taking photos and, but I always knew like, I kind of wanted music and the more I realized, and then I was like, okay, like this is like, I realized like Garrett and that band made me realize that that like there is an opportunity for me to have an outlet for this and there's a way to speak about it and the outlet is music and the way to speak about these things is music and him talking about that made me feel like less crazy for having experienced that and like less of like a human or like because i like experiencing something like that and having like a family member like lose it and like lash out and you end up breaking a bone um and then like feeling like alone like you can't talk about it because you try to talk about it with your friends and like like you can't relate to anyone about that it's like and it it it, like for a second i was like oh like i feel like i'm not crazy you know what i mean like i'm not alone in this um so that was like really important for me. And so for me, like the reason I'm singing in Loon is because of Garrett. Um, and now he's on our new record. Um, <laughs> just crazy. Like I met him again in last year when they were down for Cult Fest for our fourth and they had a little tour with Currents here. Um, and I had a chat with him again and we just talked about it. And I, I asked him, I said, you know, we've got this song and I you know, like I can't hear anyone like we'd written it. And in my head for a long time, I was like, I want Garrett on this track. Like I want to make this happen somehow. I don't know how, but I want to make it happen. And I spoke to him and just said, Hey, like I said exactly what I said. And it was like, probably pretty full on for him, but he just like sat and listened and we talked about it. And, um, yeah, he just said like, yeah, I'd love to do this. And yeah. yeah and he was so prompt and so easy to work with as well. And just, 
yeah, for me, that, that guy is the real deal. Like when he was down here, like when he goes up and talks about these things on stage, like he's not just saying it because he wants people to clap. You know what I mean? Like it's when he, they were down here, who he was like going to the commission houses, which is like these, which are like, you know, they're like people that, are, you know, they've been given government housing basically. You know what right. I mean? Like he's yeah. going and talking to those people and like listening to their stories and, um, like you know like giving them flowers and stuff and listening to their stories and they walked up on stage last night and he was talking about their stories and sharing their stories and like i was like this man is the real deal this it's this guy isn't just saying this stuff for clout you know what i mean this is like a guy that means it and for me like authenticity has always been a really important thing for me and he's he's real as it gets <laughs> yeah yeah no and i think you know to throw back to a comment that you made earlier about you know heavy music not having to be just the like shock value side of it or whatever it's it's funny because you know like I grew up when I started developing my own musical taste and whatnot mm. and started listening to more of like the screamos and post hardcores and stuff like that I had family that was like you know a this is all just angry music or you know you can't even understand what they're saying and blah 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 and I'm like maybe you guys can't understand what they're saying, but like, this is the reason that I'm still here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, these, yeah. these people are making me not feel like I'm crazy or alone or whatever. Mm. And uh, I've often said, you know, a lot of people outside of the alternative or heavy music scene, look at the heavy music scene and they're like, yeah, I would never go to one of those shows. It's just scary. It's like, you know, they, they envision the wall of death and stuff like that. And it's like, I've never felt safer and more attached to people than I am when I'm at a heavy show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's a, there's a huge sense of community around heavy music. And even though like, there's like our numbers are immense now, you know, like it's still, still every, each city and each town, wherever there's a tightly knit community and it's, yeah. Um, and for the most part, people looking out for each other and it's really good. It's Which is, you know, that's one of those things too. people assume all kinds of people get hurt at, you know, metal shows or whatever. And it's like, you've clearly never been because I've been to plenty of metal shows where the band will stop the fucking set to make sure people are picked up off the floor or whatever. Yeah. And then you had like that Travis Scott incident a few years ago where people <laughs> were literally trampled yeah. to death. Like, yeah, that, that doesn't happen at, at metal shows. No, fuck no, it does not. And like, yeah, like there is like a real effort. Like everyone talks about metal shows, like they're violent or whatever, but there is a real concerted effort to make sure people are okay. And no one actually wants to like hurt, hurt anyone. You know what I right. mean? Like, or just like, like the way I've always seen heavy music, it's like a positive outlet of negative energy. And for a lot of people, like not everyone is lucky enough to be able to go to a concert all the time. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. once finally, you know, after busting their ass for months or years or whatever, they finally have enough money, like enough expendable income to be able to spend that on going to a show, they're going to like, and they need an opportunity to get all of that out and feel good walking out the door with a smile on their face and satisfied. And like, I don't think you can get that anywhere else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not legally uh, anyway. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah totally. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, there's no, like it, a, it, a set of ground rules, hey, like around it. <laughs> yeah, it, well, exactly. Like, you know, I mean, I've, I'm 38. I've been going to shows 
fucking about as long as I can remember, right? So I can tell you confidently that most metal shows, like before a big pit opens up, as that pit is opening up, there that fan base is asking the people around, like, do you want in? Yeah. If not, like they want you to to take a couple steps back or whatever. Like they're not trying to run a circle pit and just murder everybody. Yeah. It, it's only if you want in. So it's just, it is, it's crazy. Cause like, like you said, it's, it's a, a place where they can go and get out this negative energy in a positive way. Um, and, you know, hopefully, and, and I would assume most typically it sustains them for the next, you know, six months, eight months, a year, whatever, until they can go to another show. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about the new single a little bit here. You you dropped the new single. You've got the uh, the new EP coming out in just a couple of weeks here. Yeah, no, um, yeah. So let's talk about how um, progeny. I had to think about the <laughs> new single name. Sorry. Uh, so with with progeny, you know, there's a quote here in the press release that I've got talking about how the song kind of references how family ties are often used as an excuse to not hold other people you know those members accountable for their actions or behaviors and like i just wanted to touch on that because i think it's so funny in a not funny way how that excuse gets used all the time right like oh yeah oh they're not an alcoholic you know they just they worked a lot so they drink or you know they do this because of that and it's like okay but that doesn't make it an excusable behavior no exactly exactly um that's definitely what it's about and like particularly what i was talking about just before like you know like if you're in a situation where like i don't blame them for it now because they weren't right but like where they lash out enough that you end up hurting Mm -hmm. i got like someone ended up lashing out so bad that i ended up breaking my hand you know what i mean like right um and like we were just trying to help them. And, but like, it's like stuff like that, but like, but then there's the thing of like, Oh, yeah, but they'll always come back because they're family. But it's like, no, you don't get to just do stuff like that. And like, have it, it's not it, a, it's not a get out of jail free card. It's not, no, it's card. absolutely not. No, it's not. And it's, um, and you know, like I, I got sick of that. It was just like the thing of like, Oh, we're family. So we always make it work. But it's like, no, it's not like for me, like for, so for years, I like didn't talk to like parents for like three years. I didn't see them. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm only like, I'll only let people back in my life like that. If I can see a change in behavior and I can see a consistency and they're actually doing the work. And um, yeah, it's, it's, God, how to put this into words. It's just, I, I'm, I'm so sick of hearing that excuse from people. It's just, it's not enough. It is not enough. Like you're in a, you're a human being and you need to treat other human beings with the same respect that you want to treat yourself. Um, and you can't just say and be maybe like I'm old and stuck in my ways or whatever. And I can't change because you absolutely can it you can change your behavior. You just don't want to. And you're going to sit behind the crutch of us being family to get away with it. And I got to a point where I went, you're not going to get away with it. You need to treat people with respect and not harm them. Um, 
And so like when that, when I was writing that song, like it, you know, like I just let it all out. I was like so angry and I had this fear because I'd seen a lot of these behaviors that um, like frightened me. I was worried that there's part of me that was worried that it's like hereditary and I was going to like pick it up. You know what I mean? Because I feel like a lot of people, you know, they're, they're a product of the environment that they're grown in, right? Um, in a lot of ways, like you pick up things or like mannerisms from your parents that like, that is natural to you because you like, you lived around it your entire life. You like, as a baby, literally learn how to talk because of them, you know what I mean? Um, but the same thing goes for like survival tactics. So like in psychology, there's a thing called schemas and like, it's, it's all about like defense mechanisms or habits you pick up because of the product of your environment. It's like a natural survival mechanism. But in this case, like it can be things like avoidance, you know, it can be, it can be, uh, you know, like a family member lies about stuff all the time because they feel like they just want to tell you what you want to hear so they can make it go away. You know what I mean? Like they can make the confrontation go away. Right. Right. So like all that sort of stuff. So I had this, like after experiencing all this, like I was watching a family member, like bring themselves to death and like, just, and, and like do terrible things and say terrible things. And, um, I didn't want to be a part of it anymore. And I watched, you know, family members actually try and help them myself included and then lash out and say that it, you know, like it, you know, like they weren't at fault and everyone else was wrong and um, all of that sort of stuff. And I just one day went, I'm not going to take any part in that anymore. And I, I walked away and the rest of my family walked away too. And um, it, and I just had this vehement denial of like, not denial, but there's, I have this effort that I'm never going to take on those qualities. I owe it to myself. I owe it to my family members. I owe it to the people I love, my friends, everyone that I want to be the best human I possibly can be and turn up for them in the ways that matter. And it also starts with my behavior. It starts with, it starts with everyone's behavior. It's, um, and I just, I'd never want to, you know, if I was to have children, I would never want to put them through that. Um, what I'd been through. Cause I know what it feels like. I've experienced it and I don't want anyone to feel that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. And that's, you know, that's one of those things that, especially those that have been through some sort of trauma, like that's a common, uh, trait that they develop is that, you know, I've been through whatever this pain is, this, you know, whatever the trauma was, but I'm going to make a concerted effort to never put somebody else through that same thing. Exactly. Why would I, you know? Um, And the cycle ends with me, you know what I mean? Like it, like it's it's almost like I'm like breaking a family curse or something like that. I'm just (laughs) like, I don't like, I don't, don't, it's not like that, but like, I just feel like anything that's like that, that happens, that is a repeat pattern, have you, that, that cycle ends with me and I will never continue that. I will never claim any, any of that. And I, and I, and I will not excuse it just with, oh, but we're family. Like it's just not acceptable. Like, yeah, it, well, and that goes, that goes into the whole, you know, people misuse the quote and misrepresent the quote all the time that blood is thicker than water. Yep. <laughs> but but that's not really what the quote is. And that's not even what it was fucking intended. The the quote is actually the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb, meaning mm. the bonds that we choose to make, the blood of the covenant, 
is more important or stronger than the water of the womb, which is your family. Like exactly you're choosing and like, you know, I'm not saying everybody should, you know, disown their parents or uncles or yeah. whoever, you know, but if there is a toxic member of your family, it's okay to voice your opinion about that and then take the steps that you need to be okay because that's all you can do. You have to protect yourself. Exactly. There always has to be consequences to something. You can't just expect to do something so terrible and like then not be consequences and ramifications for that, right? Because otherwise that's the thing. Like you've got to show those people that there is a consequence for that. Yeah. And in this case, it was completely removing myself from that situation, which was the best thing I possibly could have done. And back to that blood is sick and water thing. Yeah, absolutely. I learned about is particularly in that year after about chosen family and mm-hmm. the, the people that really love you and care for you and that you care for uh, the, the people that are around you and the people that actually show up and, and treat you with respect and you treat each other with respect, but you also have enough respect for yourself and for each other to pull each other up when you're both acting up, you know what I mean? Right. Um, to hold each other accountable um, and to, uh, you know, stop, stop each other from, from going down a rabbit hole of bad behaviors, you know what I mean? Or picking up bad habits or enabling bad habits. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people, like I've seen a lot with like people who have been through trauma is like they pick up substance abuse issues and they, Uh they, they, you know, particularly in Australia, there's like a big problem with binge drinking. Um, Yeah. Like huge drinking problems, um, and you know, the, because they just don't want to deal with the problem, so they're just constantly self-soothing, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's a massive problem, and you know, pulling it, pulling it, you know, your friends up on that sort of thing is really important. And you know, I watched a friend go through it. You know, he experienced something really horrible, and he just couldn't stop drinking. And you know, it, um, but it took a long time. But you know, it's, it's I think it's about like seeing the pattern. And like pulling your friends up, but it's not about making them feel bad and you know or anything like that. It's just about helping them and and helping them see. Um, and because you love them and you love each other, and I would expect the same from my friends, and they do do the same thing. And it's yeah, yeah I appreciate it so much. So I I have so much love and time for my friends because the they are the people that help me through that sort of stuff. And when I was falling back down a hole of or like a bad thought pattern or a bad way of living or a bad thinking pattern they pull me up on it and they went hey like this is you know that's work on this yeah yeah and it's you know it's one of those things i think the the people that we choose to surround ourselves with and whatnot um you know a we're allowing them the space in our lives right like I don't have to allow anybody to be a part of my life, but I'm allowing these people to be a part of my life because I see value in them and they see value in me. Absolutely. Um, And especially when it's not easy, right? Like to your point, when I'm, you know, slipping into a bad, you know, train of thought or whatever, and people can feel comfortable enough and, and care about me enough to say, Hey, let's talk about this. Like, this isn't the the right way to, to deal with this thing or whatever. Um, you know, people seeing the value in you when you don't see the value is immeasurable. And sometimes it'll be family sometimes, mm. or a lot of times it will not be, it'll be the, 
the friends that you've chosen to have in your life. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. Um, it's super important. And it's, it's, it's like, I'm so thankful to have friends like that, that do pull me up on that sort of thing. Um, it, it's, um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I just, I'm just super, super thankful for for my friends and for the people yeah. that are in my life. And like, it's the, one of the things it's like, I would rather have like five really good friends than like a hundred really crap friends. Right. Um, and there's, once again, time back to the record, there's a song that's about that. Like it's, there's a song called Healers on the end of the record. And it's, it was me realizing not necessarily that people were bad friends, but that everyone was going through something really terrible and that we were kind of all enabling each other's behavior a bit. Um, you know, like, you know, like soothing each other, patting each other on the back through something, but not actually like being like, all right, but what are the things we're going to do to change that? Or, um, you know, like, and, uh, like, you know what I mean? Like just going yeah. out and partying instead of dealing with your problems. Right. Yeah. Um, which is not, healthy you know it's good to have an outlet and let it blow off some steam you know what i mean but if you don't all the time like it's not good and i realized that i needed to kind of like walk away and do my own thing for a bit and get away from it and go like okay i need to just go and like do me you know what i mean and it did do me and i and part of it is just um saying like you know like you don't need to try and explain yourself like let's do just do us for a bit you know what i mean like i'm gonna do me you do you and like let's come find each other when we're both at a space where we can like have the capacity to like talk to each other or not talk to each other, but like both have the capacity to like be around one another and not actually enable a bad thinking process or a, or a bad behavior. And you know? like, Oh, every time we hang out, we just go get, you know, go get blotto at the, at the pub or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like anything, anything like that or like, um, or continuing a conversation or, a, or keep talking about the same thing over and over and over and over, but all it's doing is hurting you, you know, cause you're just like reliving something that hurt you cause you're just talking about it. Um, and there's nothing wrong with just talking and listening to one another, but you've got to actually want to do the work and like look after yourself and look after each other. Yeah. And that comes back to your friends, like pulling off and being like, okay, but what are we going to do? Like, what are the things we can do to change this? You know what I mean? And um obviously therapy is a really good one right <laughs> being on therapy for eight years so up upkeep is very important even if you're like feeling okay like it's it's very very important to um like still do that and still have those conversations and still have the upkeep because i think i feel like it's important like you feel like you might be fine but there's always something like not necessarily bad but there's something that needs to be worked on you know and yeah i think it's important to have that upkeep and there's also like an external source that's kind of disconnected that can have an objective way to kind of pick things up and, and pull you up on things. I think that's really important. Um, and it, it's a, it's a good way to like, you know, to prevent, you just, just avoid bad things. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's just a yeah, good no, thing to do. It's and one I, of those that, you know, therapy to your point, like even if you don't feel like you're in crisis or in trauma currently, like, still being able to talk to somebody and say like, you know, Hey, maybe today was a really good day for me mm. and have them help shift your perspective a little bit of, okay, great. Today was a great day for you. What about it was great. Like look at the things that made you happy. And is that something that you could do more often, you know, and maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but 
just that extra external perspective of like what caused this feeling good or bad and how do we fix or maintain that you know yeah exactly absolutely yeah and it's just like and it's the same thing with like like friends if you're both at a space where you like you can't even like look after yourself but you're constantly both just doing the same things and it's like not helping you do need to like get away and like strip back and go and yeah. like work on yourself and that's you know what that song is all about it's just about like realizing like we're all gathering together and you know basically like picking scabs you know or this reopening a wound Mm-hmm. And, and under the guise of healing and, and and like, oh, we're talking about it and it's going to make us feel better. But realistically, we're picking the scab, reliving it, but then not doing anything about it when realistically we need to be like, okay, like this has happened. I need to accept that this happened, but I also need to go and deal with it and and do it in a way that's gentle and you're not being punitive and you're not putting yourself down um, and, and, and changing that. And so for me, it was like, particularly like I wrote most of that in lockdown because in, in yeah. I live in Melbourne in Australia where in the peak of COVID, we had the longest lockdown in the world. We were, I think we were locked down for like nine or 10 months straight. Right. To the point where it was like, you couldn't leave, you, you, you stayed in a five kilometer radius. You couldn't leave a five kilometer radius around your house. Yeah. Which it is was insane. It was fucking rough. But like, uh like in that time i think like it was really important particularly for that because like you kind of don't have anywhere to run when it comes to like dealing with that you've just got to deal with it you've got to actually kind of stare it in the face and go like okay uh sink or swim like we've got to really kind of stare this in the face and go well let's let's talk through this with myself and you know do a a video call with a therapist and um and, and just do the work on yourself. And I think like there's a lot to be said about not like one, you can shop for your friends, but it's just about like showing up for yourself and looking after yourself. Cause we always are like, Oh, I'm too busy to do this. And I'm too busy to do that. I've got all this to do, but you're just going to fall apart and burn out if you don't actually put the things in place to actually have upkeep for yourself and look after yourself. Um, so I think it's really important to like, just do you for a bit sometimes. And and you know like a lot of the friends that i was hanging around with at that time like i'm friends with again we're all in way better head spaces like we you know set healthy boundaries we turn up for each other we celebrate each other's victories and we're a lot happier and healthier which is a great way to be like it and so it's just you know like none of us are healers is like the whole point of the song it's like you know we're just here accepting change we're trying to deal with change um and we're just like trying to accept like the bitter pills um uh you know with i guess in that song it has like a double yeah. meaning it's like swallowing bitter pills because we're all going out and partying but um that <laughs> uh, um yeah i digress but it's just important to like take the time for yourself and turn up for yourself and because if you don't like you're no good to anyone else if you're not good with yourself right it's, like the most important thing I've learned. Like you cannot, you are like not someone else's savior. You can't be someone else's savior or anything like that. Or you can't help anyone to your full capacity if you don't have the capacity to even look after yourself. Like how are you supposed to pick someone up up off the ground if like you're not giving yourself enough energy to actually help yourself? Like you can help them as much as you possibly can within the realm of what you're capable of at the time. But, you know, you need to 
also then have the tools to give some energy to yourself too. Yeah, for sure. Um, so love that. Really excited for this new album. Um, kind of my my segue as we get to the end here. Hmm. Um, I've don't get me wrong, I've loved this conversation, but I've yeah, kept it now for about an hour and a half. So yeah, no, I looked at the uh, clock <laughs> and I'm like, damn, we've been talking for an hour and a half. <laughs> hey, I'm good with it, but yeah, know, I'm having I a good time. To, yeah, I want you to enjoy your day. So I'm sure we'll have you back on. But yeah, um, kind of the the question I really like asking is it, it's birthed out of the cliche, right? The cliche of you become the person that you needed when you were younger, right? Yep. So the person you are now is who you would feel safe around when you were younger. Yeah. So with that in mind, looking back, what would you tell a younger version of yourself? Like when you were in one of your darkest moments, like what advice or what, what message would you give yourself about that? I think I would tell my younger self to like, stop doubting himself so much and not, and change this this internal dialogue of like stop putting yourself down all the time stop saying you you uh, aren't good enough for this thing or you, that you can't make this thing because that dialogue is uh, and constantly seeing the negative and say and preparing for the worst because you, you think you're just being realistic is like not a way to live your life because you need to go forward with things with the level of assurance that you can achieve it because anyone is capable of anything as long as you you are able to put one foot in front of the other towards the thing that you want and you know it's 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 easier said than done to get out of your own way but you need to get out of your own way um um so i think it's it's you know like this is so funny because my therapist made me do something like this once he was like oh i want you to sit in this as if you're like talking to your younger self and i was like whoa yeah it's weird um, i know yeah and i like started getting emotional it was like like this this the, it was like this thing of like but it was really it's i think it's really important for this is he was like this thought process you're having right he was like i want you to sit there and talk to the scared version of yourself that's a kid saying this and then he was like, did you hear what you just said? And you need, so it's, it, it was so important because it's like having that thought process of like, this is going to fail. This is going to fall apart. This thing is probably going to happen is you, you, you know, like you, it's already dead in the water before you even tried because you're, 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 you're snuffing out any possibility of you doing it. Cause you're already telling yourself it's not going to happen. So you yeah, need you've, to, you've self-sabotaged it. Exactly. And, and, and the same thing can be said for like self-sacrificing. If you're not, you need to put yourself first and look after yourself and, and show up for yourself before you can show up for other people. Yeah. Um, and be kind to yourself and understand that while maybe you don't know the way forward, it's important to just put one foot in front of the other and try. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and for a lot of people, they, I think they get caught up in it. It sounds like, like the cliche of like, believe in yourself, but it's actually really important. And it's putting one foot in front of the other and, and turning up for yourself in that way. Because for some people, you know, like that is a huge effort. And at the start, that is going to be a huge effort. But as you slowly almost like grow into yourself, because you, you've, you've got these walls that are so closed in 
that you, you don't have any room to move. But as you slowly grow into yourself, you're going to have the capacity to kind of do more for yourself that you couldn't even believe you'd be doing years ago. Yeah. And yeah, no, like I, that's the thing I could think about, like what the band is doing now and we're like a small band, but like I think about even what we're doing now, while it may still seem small is like, if I told younger me who just watched the Parkway drive documentary that uh, we'd be signed to resist records, like he'd probably scream um because that was at the time the rebel the park i was signed to now they're independent right. yeah like for me like and for my whole band it's like the craziest thing it's so weird like get on a, get on a, like a phone call with graham from resist and just be like oh my god this is the guy or like or just any of it it's just like i i, I didn't know i would tour like you know my my goal with the music at the start was to just make music music and have an outlet and then hold my music i'd made in my hands right so like i know i've done all of that but like for me it's 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 satisfying and like it's crazy like i wouldn't have believed that any of this would have happened yeah but now like we're here and yeah like it comes back to that it's like it's really about starting the hardest part is getting started and um putting one foot in front of the other and for like a long time like I was in my way. I was self-sabotaging. Like I was not seeing things through and you have to like put one foot in front of the other to, to get to anything. You know, you have to take the steps no matter how small. And like, even if it seems silly, like it's like send that email. Like that's a thing checked off the mm -hmm. list. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's all of those things and all of that showing up and, and consistency and showing up for yourself, for your band, for your work, whatever. Like we were talking about consistency before and persistence and bands that have been around for 10 years that in from Australia that are finally like going to America and filling rooms and doing that sort of stuff and having like bonkers shows is the crux of that is, is turning up for yourself. And the same can be said for, for anything, you know, it's, it's about putting one foot in front of the other. And it, sometimes it can, it can feel so hard to know where to start, but like small manageable steps one thing at a time send the email um uh you know iron your clothes you know what i mean like something like yeah. that like some stupid mundane task is like when everything feels overwhelming is like so important because like if you're ticking something off the list you can you have a tangible thing in your hand you can be like i did these things today you know what i mean mm -hmm. it's so anything like that is important um yeah and, and as one of the things yeah, one of the things I found about the list, um, not to you know drag this on too much longer, yeah, but uh, <laughs> the the to do list is great, and for a lot of people that works really well. Mm. For me, sometimes it works most of the time for me, but sometimes you start looking at that list and you start feeling overwhelmed and whatnot, right? Yeah. Like, ah, I can't do all this this shit, whatever. What I've learned to do is you flip that list over, and instead mm. of worrying about the things that you need to get done or that you've made a list to do, start writing down the things you did do. Because at the end of the day, yeah. you still accomplished stuff. It just may yeah. not have been what was originally on the list. Exactly um, that. And it's it's crazy how much that changes your perspective too. Because you'll find yourself like, you start writing down, like you said, kind of the what seems like dumb and mundane things. Got up and showered and brushed my teeth and went and got the mail, whatever. But then when you start looking, you're like, oh, I... I did some shit today. Okay. 
Exactly. Well, that gives me momentum to move on tomorrow to do these other things that I didn't get to today. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Awesome, man. No, um, man. So you've got the new album coming out. What's November, the, yeah. the rest of 2023 look like for you leading into 2024? So, well, for this, for the next foreseeable future, we're just like getting this thing out. We're just really excited for people to finally hear it. We've been doing a lot of work in the gaps in the meantime behind the scenes on this thing. We're just like so excited to watch it kind of unfurl and all, all happen. Um, and then we've got some touring planned for next year. So after we get this release out, we'll, you know, our drummers in, our drummers in Europe for a month with Justice for the Damned is filling in for them. And then when he comes home, we're going to pick up on some touring and, um, you know, play some rooms and celebrate these songs with, with our friends and new, new friends if they want to come along for the ride too. So we're, yeah, we're super, 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 super proud of this next one. Like, I don't think any of us have been more proud of something we've made together thus far. And we just honestly can't wait for people to finally hear it. It's been a long two years in the making. And um, it's like, it, you know, it's, it's once again, like one of those things where you watch all the little things and all the little steps uh, come together. And finally you get to, to see the, the fruits of your labor. And so for us, like that's going to be so satisfying. Yeah. And then next year we're straight into touring. So all through 2024, nothing I can speak on right now, but there's stuff, some stuff in the pipeline, which I'm very yeah. excited about. That's fine. We'll we'll do another episode a little closer so that you can start, you know, telling people where to find you. Oh yeah, let's do it. <laughs> awesome. Um yeah. New record, change your address and the change in you on November 10th by Resist Records. Go pick it up. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Uh obviously I'll link all your socials and everything too, but where can people find you? Like what's the best way to interact with you guys online? Uh yep. So uh we're very, very active on Instagram, um, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Um, and you can also find us at loongroove.com. Awesome, man. I'm excited for you as well. Um, you know, I've I've not got to hear the whole album yet, but uh everything I've heard so far is really fucking dope. So excited for you. I think that you know the the heavy alternative music space is really in this position that it's virtually never been in before as far as mm -hmm. like to your point earlier about the crowds getting bigger things like that you know like it's in this place where it's as close to mainstream as i think it's ever been oh yeah um, it's nuts yeah and i i think it's just gonna open a lot of people